The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. You have your Bibles. We're just going to go ahead and do this. If you'll stand with us this morning, Malachi chapter 3, we're going to read verses 6 and go down to verse 12. And today's sermon title is, The Church is Where We Worship Through Giving, Where We Worship Through Giving. This is the ESV, and uh, may it be encouraging to you. If you're an underliner, you could underline this whole section and not go wrong, all the Bible, but these are great verses to take home and memorize and reflect on as we study today. Hear God's Word. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have, not, or you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. So return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me with the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, verse 10. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then verse 12, all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts of host. This is a passage that has been butchered, has been coerced, has been arm twisted so many times in churches, and I want to tell you what it means. I'm not coming to you with anything new. I'm just coming to you faithful, hopefully, to the text of what we have just read. This is not uh, an 88.5, Life 88.5, spring or fall fundraiser. We're going to read this, and if you give enough, God's going to bless your socks off. This is not uh, Lane, Lane and I are tracking perfectly in our examples this morning. This is not some TV preacher gimmick that if you just give the right amount of money, God's going to give you a lottery check to write a blank check forever at how amount you work. God does not work that way, and I'm so glad He didn't, because I know myself, and I know you all well enough, that if you had that freedom, you would not be following Christ. You'd be following who? Yourself. So I'm grateful that God didn't do that. I'm grateful He sent forth His Son because we couldn't do it ourselves. Amen? And that's what we know. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And we're just going to jump into this this morning. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank You so much for our time. Thank You for the opportunity to hear Your Word this morning, just to hear it, to hear it read. Father, we hear so many things, movies, TVs, podcasts, sports, our, our own self, our other people, but we need to hear from You. Move me out of the way. May You speak. Father, we come with your word. We want to know how it applies to us today as it has for all time. Father, we pray all these things today in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, my wife is uh, going to be having a birthday soon, and, and uh, I had to compile this for my own self because I need to be reminded in two months of what not to buy my wife. And if you're a young man, young woman, uh, take note of this. If you're an old man, be reminded of these things. Are you ready for this? What not to buy your wife? Four things. First, you don't buy clothing that involves sizes. The chances are one in 7,000 you'll get her size right, and the chances are 6,999 that you're going to get it wrong. Amen? Men? 
Avoid all things useful. That new silver polish you, that was advertised to you is, uh, includes hundreds of hours of not doing things. Is not going to win you any brownie points when it's her birthday. Don't buy her jewelry. You know why? The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can't afford, she doesn't want. <laughs> Finally, don't spend too much because the question will be, how do you think we're going to afford that? She'll ask. But don't spend too little. And my wife won't do this, but maybe yours will. She won't say anything at all, but she'll think, is that all I'm worth to you? Guys, I'm glad our God is not so hard to pin down as we are when it comes to buying things for other people. Amen? Our God says it very clearly. When we buy things for other people, we always guess, are they going to like it? 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 But all God says is, is give to me, and that is worship enough. That is it. Just come and give. Worship is giving. Worship is not what you receive from God. Worship is not guessing what God may want. Worship is giving all of yourself to God, your time, your money, your talents, everything you are to God. And guess what? God is going to be pleased if you do it in faith. That is the great thing. That great story, you remember the scripture, don't you, where the woman came up to Jesus and she took that expensive bottle of perfume that was worth a year's wages? You remember what she did? She made Judas fall over in his chair because he, she, Judas was the financial guy, and she knocked this thing all over, poured it on Jesus. He smelled great. And what did Judas say? Well, that could have been money used to give to the poor. Well, Judas wanted the money for himself. But that worship right there, Jesus looked at Judas and all the disciples and said, she did all that she could. And sometimes when we worship through giving, we do all that we can. We don't feel like worshiping sometimes. We don't feel like giving sometimes. When someone comes calling for help from us, we don't want to give our time, our talents. We don't want to. But I want you to know, if you do even little in faith, God is lifted and God is honored in those times. And I want you to know also that money is a very important part of this passage we're going to be talking about. In fact, Jesus spoke about money more than any other thing. One out of every six verses that Jesus used in the Bible was talking about money. But Malachi here is not talking just about money. He's talking about you. He's talking about your life. He's talking about your family. He's talking about your talents, your energy, everything that, about who you are. Is it worship that you're giving God through everything that he has given you? And that is what we're here to talk about today. But worship isn't what we primarily get out of it. It's what God gets out of it. You know, so many people go to churches today to get a fix. Did you know that? It's mainly emotional. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that in the sense that you want to connect. You want to know that God's there. You want to feel His presence. You want to know His peace. But at the same time, it's not usually about you. It's about Him. And that's our big idea today, simply, is that worship is more about giving than getting less about liking, and more about loving Him. Man, if we just saw our relationship with God like that, so many times our relationship with God becomes robotic, doesn't it? Well, I have to do this because that's what's expected of me. Or I, I, I need to do this because I just, I have to do this. Boy, if our relationship with God was more about, man, I get to do this, I have a God who loves me and cares for me, I get to honor Him by serving in this way, how would that change everything that we do? Some of you love, some of you have a love-hate relationship with exercise, don't you? You know it's good for you. You probably saw that article last night that came across the news that for every hot dog you eat, you lose 36 minutes of your life. I ate two yesterday, by the way, to God's glory. But you understand that it's a love-hate relationship with exercise. You don't like to do it, but you know in doing it, it's better for you. 
And when your attitude is, I get to go, <laughs> I get to go stair step for an hour on the stair stepper. I get to go walk five miles. Doesn't that just change the attitude about what you're doing? Or husbands, when you get that honey-do list that your wife has long given you and you look at it and say, I don't have time for that. But you say, I get to do this for my wife. It changes your perspective. The nation of Israel had long since lost that relationship with God. They are at a time and a place where they are doing it because that's what God wants them to do, not because that's what they want to do for God. Do you see that difference? And friend, I'm here to tell you today, a church is where worship is giving is through worship. So many times as churches, we get robotic. We get so in our rut and routine, we forget we're actually doing it to advance God and to love Him. So four things this morning that I want you to see, four things this morning that I want you to see, four truths about how we worship through giving. There's the primacy of worship, the pattern, the point, and the pledge. We'll go through those one by one. First, the primacy of worship through giving. Look back at verses six through nine, the primacy, the, the basics of worship. What is he talking about here? Well, you need to know that God has sent Malachi to Israel. And in sending Malachi to Israel, he's basically telling them, stop playing the game. Stop playing church. Stop playing like we're good and all's well. Stop playing, acting like, and doing those things. You ever had someone like that in your life before? You know there's tension between you, but they put on a smile, and they act like everything's okay around everyone else, but you know, and you give them that look, and they don't make eye contact with you. You ever been there before? That's the way it is right now with God in Israel. By the time of Malachi's prophecy, Israel had outgrown image-making, and idol worship, and they're now to the point they just do whatever they want. They don't even care. And friends, I'm here to tell you, we can get there too as Christians if we forget the primacy of worship through giving. So what does he tell them? He tells them first in verse 6, he tells them that he does not change. There is a primacy here. The Lord is not a capricious God. He's, he's immutable. He doesn't change. Our seasons are getting ready to change, and I'm, I'm about as sick as the heat as you are walking out and feel like you just got out of the shower when you walk out to your car. But if God has changed, we will be destroyed. Things around us are going to change all the time. But I want you to know it wasn't God who changed. Look back at verse 7. Who does it say changed here? It's very clearly clear here who changed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside for my statutes and not kept them. He said you when we are out of sync with our relationship with God, it's not God who's moved, it's us, isn't it? And he answers that question. He says, well, man robbed God, verse 8, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He says, in your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. Can you imagine if God came up to you and said, you've robbed me? You've robbed me in the first degree. You've robbed me so much that I have to write about you. I mean, will, will a man rob God? Is that possible? Well, we have to get back to the privacy, the basics of this. The assumed answer here is no. You can't rob God. The earth is God's and everything in it is what the psalmist tells us. I mean, but who would dare rob God? You ever think about that? We asked that question about six weeks ago, for those of you who know about this, in the bus barn. When we posted on Facebook that our church got broken into, there were people on there like, how dare people steal from a church? How dare people steal from a church? And my first question back to most of them was, well, looking at your profile, when was the last time you were actually in a church, sir or ma'am? True question, right? We get so fed up that God is dishonored, but we, we often rob God in such simple ways. We rob God of our time with Him in, our wor in His Word. We rob God of our time with Him in prayer. We rob God when we're so busy that we can't make our time for fellow believers to, to know them and get to know them. 
But I want you to know that God did not call their giving sinful. He called it robbery. And a robber is different than a thief. A thief waits till you're not home and goes and breaks in. A robber will come up to you in the middle of Westport in Kansas City and pull a gun and say, look, give me your money or something bad's going to happen right here. They did this in full sight of robbery of God, and they did not care. A church where God is honored in giving through worship is a church that in the secret times and in the public times, they want God to be honored at all times. Does that make sense? And he tells him here, he says, the tithes. What's he talking about here? We're not going to chase this for a day, all day, but the tithe was a tenth given. You may have heard that you're, you're required to give a tenth of your income, and a 10% of your income. That's a thought that's been around for Christians for years. I want to tell you that the tithe is not in effect today as it was in those times. What did, what did we read about in 2 Corinthians 9? How do, were you supposed to give? Did he say to give an exact 10% of whatever your time, talent, money, and financials are? No. He said to give with what? A gracious heart. To give as you feel compelled. So, so many people today say, well, I can't give 10% of my income, my time, my resources, my everything. Look, you are supposed to go before God and pray about it. For some of you, I'm speaking financially right now, that may be more than 10% or whatever that is. For some of you, it's whatever you can give. Jesus blessed the woman who gave all that she had. Do you remember that story? The, the Pharisee came and, dun, 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 here I am, the Pharisee, I'm giving my tithe and made a big ruckus with all this jingling money coming up to the, the offering box. You remember the story? Jesus watched it. He was sitting there at the offering box. That's scary enough, Jesus is sitting at the offering box. He's watching, and he comes, and he dumps all this in, and makes all this noise, and an old lady comes. You remember the story, don't you? With a pence, a penny, a fourth of a penny at best, and dumps it in. And Jesus said she gave all that she had, and she was the one that God honored. This is not about the amount. It's about the heart behind it. Grace giving is not a license to neglect what God has given you. You need to pray about this. Some of you, you are faithful and you're giving financially, but you're, you're lacking in your giving of your, your time and your talents to the church and the people of God and the mission of God. Are you robbing God with the gifts He's given you? And guys, I'm not trying to oversell this. I'm not a great runner, but I remember very clearly sitting on a bus 17 years ago in Guadalajara, Mexico, going to the first independent Baptist church of Guadalajara, Mexico, trying to understand the sermon while learning Spanish at the same time. Don't try that. You get all sorts of mixed messages about what God actually said. But I remember sitting there watching a group of runners go in front of that bus on a Sunday. And I remember very clearly sitting there. And God, in, in, in not speaking to me directly, but impressing on my heart, you, you know, I gave you some talent. You're not the best. You're not going to win a championship. But are you using your talents for me? And as soon as I got back to campus with William Jewell, I signed up for the cross-country team. I was the slowest on the team. I was last in the conference almost. And all these things, they were much faster than I. But through that opportunity of that fall, that one time I ran cross-country in college, I got to share the gospel with people along the way because I was faithful to what God called me to. Christian, can I just ask you today, can you get back to the primacy, the basics of it? I'm not just talking finances here. Is there something in your life you know God has gifted you with? Time, talent, energy, resources, whatever it is that God has been pressing you to give to Him for service for Him to help other people spread the gospel. Have you done that? I don't know what that is for you. You need to consider that before the Lord. But most importantly, if it's something that we're supposed to see and be blessed by your giving to the church as a whole, 
then may God be honored through that. But they got to the point where they said, Psh, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But notice what he does in verse 9. He condemns the spiritual robbery. He condemns the spiritual robbery. He says, you are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. He doesn't say what the source of the curse is. He just says it's a natural consequence of what has been going on. Look, if you're rebelling against God, uh, God, God is not the one out. God's not cursing you. You're cursing yourself. Your sin has consequences. If you do something dumb and you sin, guess what? You're probably going to pay the consequence for it, won't you? The source of the curse here is not stated, but the reason is clear. He says, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. The word nation here is used for a people who are not in covenant with God. The New Testament is clear that as sinners, we are saved by the blood and grace of God. And I want to tell you this morning, Christian, that you are never under a curse anymore. Amen? On that tree, Galatians 3 says that on that tree, Jesus took the curse, the wrath of God for you. So who is he speaking to here? He is speaking to a nation of people who are not even in the fold. They're not even his people. They are so far away from him, he doesn't even consider them the, a nation as we know God's people to be. But Christians, you cannot be blessed and cursed at the same time. If you are walking in spiritual rebellion, there are consequences for your sins. But I want you to know that the ultimate curse of sin does not have dominion over you. This is why. A Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. We're getting into that Halloween time where that question comes up. Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? No, because you are not under a curse of the law anymore. You are under grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for that, we say amen every day, right? And we know that. But these people had gotten to the point where they were now being cursed by God for their spiritual robbery, especially in giving all that he told them to give. And so God curses the whole nation. He curses them to the point where he says, I no longer will be among you. Unless you return to me, I won't return to you. That's a scary place to be, guys. If God looks at you and says, I won't return to you, whew, that's a scary place to be. It's like when Judas, when he sold out Jesus for 30 silver coins or whatever it was, Judas had no point to turn back. I want you to know that as a church, you can be here, and you can be going through the motions, but I want you to think about this very clearly. Have you forgotten the reason that you give your money, you give your time, you give your prayers, you give your energy, you give the opportunity to serve one another? Why is it? It's because God is your God, and He is watching, and He demands that we do it together for His honor and His glory. It's not just about money. But I want you to know, secondly, the pattern of worship through giving. There's the primacy and the pattern. How should we give to God? How should we give to God? First, we're to give to God with a grateful spirit. We're to give to God with a grateful spirit. Look at verse 10. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. We're going to cut it right there. This is point two. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, Israel robbed God in tithes and contributions. He, the, he, God commanded a tenth, and he commanded even more at financial and, and giving through uh, resource of crops. But the whole nation was under a curse now. Verse 10 says, bring the full tithes into the storehouse. The Lord extended a renewed call to worship through giving to the nation. And this was the mercy and grace of God. But friends, I want to remind you today, I want to remind you today, that God expects nothing less of us. 
He's not demanding. God may call you, as Jesus called the rich man, to sell everything and give it to the poor. It's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to have a car. It's not a sin to have a house. It's not a sin to have nice clothes or nice things. But the question is, are you honoring God with those things? Or have those things taken over you? Have those simple things taken over you? I mean, something as simple as a garden can become an idol, can't it? Something as simple as a pair of shoes. I mean, there are, there are preachers out there. That there's, a, there's an Instagram account for you young people who follow this stuff. There's an Instagram account out there. It's been out for a few years called Preacher Sneakers, where if you go and look at their, their page, they, they find people submit to them pictures of pastor's shoes. Well, I'm here to tell you, these are not probably going to make the list. The $10 ones from Walmart aren't going to make it. But I will tell you this. There are preachers that are more concerned, there are people more concerned about how they look, what they look like, than how they are before God. And he says to them, he says, bring the full tithes into the storehouse. Is your life, in other words, dedicated to me in everything? Have you submitted your life to me? Yes, to Israel, he was speaking to them physically about their finances. But is your life given holy to God? Is your family given holy to God? Is our church wholly dedicated to this one truth? that we are going to put it all before God and say, God, it's not ours anyway. Take it. It's yours. And the pattern was is that they gave with a grateful spirit. But so many times when we come to give what we are to God and what He's called us to, we come grumbling a little bit, don't we? Well, God, I don't, I, there's a meme out there. I ain't got time for that. God, I don't, I, God, you're asking me more than I can give. Try God. We'll get there in a second. Try God. When he says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he's literally telling us as Christians in this new covenant age, bring me yourself. Give me your, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes, for Israel, this was referring to them literally keeping for themselves the very things they were called in the commands to give to God. And Christians, I want to remind you that you give to God first. You give to God first. This means in your finances, this means in your dedication, this means in your prayers, in your study, the first person you are to please is not your spouse, your kids, your boss, your wife, your pastor, whatever. It is God. God is watching what you give, God is watching how you give, and God is watching when you give. And again, that's not all finances, that's everything about you, everything you've been given. In Matthew 6.33, you know this well, don't you? What's it say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His what? righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. It's like that missionary who was out, and uh, one of the natives came to him knocking on his door, and he had a big fish, and uh, he said, uh, the, the guy said to him, you taught us what giving is, and I have brought my giving. And the missionary said, where, well, where are the other nine fish to make the ten? And the boy beamed and said, they're still back in the river. I'm going to go catch them now. I just want to show you that I'm giving something right away, Pastor. Look, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The problem was not that Israel gave nothing. It is what they gave was not with their whole heart. It's what they gave was for selfish gain. It's what they gave was for selfish motive. It's what they gave was something to please others. Look, if you cannot give God a dime out of every dollar that you have, or you can't give Him a minute out of every 10 minutes you have, you should realistically examine your lifestyle choices, your spending habits, your focus, and your spiritual values. That's where he's getting at here. But notice also here, you are to give, you're to give grateful, you're to give to God first, but you're also, notice the emphasis here, you're to give through 
the local church. You say, how do you get that out of verse 10, part A? Well, you get this very simply here. We're looking at the whole scripture. He says, bring in the full tithe. Friends, I just want to say this word as a pastoral word. You are going to be bombarded by Christian ministries all around, especially in the financial realm. And they are good, and 98% of them are godly, God-fearing people. But if you're giving, and I'm speaking financially now, is more to those affinity groups, those sub-church groups, than they are to your local church, your priorities are missed. Where has God put plan A in His mission of the Great Commission? It's right here, the local church. How do we reach neighborhoods? Through the local church. How do we grow people in Jesus Christ? Through the gathering together of the local church. Those mission groups that I, I'm thinking, I'm just using big ones. I'm thinking of FCA. I'm thinking of Campus Crusade. I'm thinking of all sorts of great groups. They have a place. You know why they have a place? Because the local church has failed to be the place they're supposed to be. So therefore, these ministries have cropped up. And we praise God for that because they've been faithful to what God has given. But I'm here to tell you, if we want to be the church where giving is worship, we need to remember that the first place of giving starts right here. All right, time out disclaimer. You ready? I love you guys and you know me well enough. I'm not saying this because you pay me. I'm not saying this because we have a budget. I'm not saying this because we have bills to keep the lights on and, and uh, occasionally give our deacons an extra piece of bread or something like that. I say this because this is true. So many ministries, because they need money, are going to pull at your heartstrings. They're going to quote you this verse. But your giving cycles through the local church first. That may shock some of you, but it's the truth. I'm picking on Life 88.5. We listen to them. They, they, they're a gospel-centered station, but I've heard them quote this verse so many guilt-ridden times, it just makes my skin crawl. Your, if you are not giving your time, talent, energy, and finances to where God has put you as a member of this church, you're missing the whole point of being a member of God's church. And I'm speaking for myself as well. There are many great worthy things, but you ought to give to God through the local church house. Why do you do that? Well, you do that because this is where God has put you. Can I just speak to you members for a minute here? Some of you have been members of this church since before Leon was born. Some of you have been members of this church less than I've been here. But you understand this. We are all members together. And part of that membership covenant you signed was that you would commit yourself to the work of this church. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. The cows still go to the bathroom on the other side of the fence, don't they? But one thing we know is true is this. We are not a perfect church. We don't have a perfect pastor. But if all of us recommitted to the point of giving God everything that we have, to our family, to Him first, yes, but to what God has called us here in this local church, do you, nothing can stop us from winning this neighborhood for Jesus Christ. You'd be amazed at what God can do. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm not, I have no one in particular in mind when I say that. But I want you to know this is bigger than just finances. This is more about who you are before God and what you've committed to Him, to serve Him and love Him and grow disciples as a part of His kingdom. We don't just give to the church, we give to God through the church, and that's where it is. So the primacy of worship through giving, the pattern number three, the point of worship. Look at back at verse 10. You got your Bible? Look back at verse 10, the second part of that. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Let's be honest. Does God need food? No, God does not need food. Psalm 50, 12 says, God says, if I were hungry, 
I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. God does not need our food, but the priests and the Levites who ministered in the temple needed food, and the widows and orphans and strangers who came to the temple for help needed food. So what is the difference? What difference does your giving make? Financially, energy, talents, resources, what difference does it make? Number one, it says, you'll see it on the screen. We give to compensate the leaders. The primary purpose back then of tithes and offerings was to care for those who worked in the temple. Guys, I want to tell you it is a privilege to be your pastor. And I speak for Pastor Nelson. I call him Pastor Nelson, both in a, in a fun way and a serious way. And someday Lane and Tom, our seminary guys, will be pastors of churches. You will support them. But I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you're over the age of 65, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because that would uh, embarrass some of you because you're all 55 for the rest of your life till you pass away, right? But if you're over the age of 65, you basically carry the giving of this church and every church everywhere. Did you know that? That's a scary thing because your generation, older folks, is passing away. The greatest generation is slowing down and passing away. And this is a reminder to my generation and all of us before that as we give to the church, we give to support the mission of the church. You give to support the leaders of the church. What also do you give in this part? The point of worship through giving. You give to support the work of the workers, but you also give to continue the work. You ever thought about that? So often when we have a budget, uh, I'm going to speak to this for a second. I'm going to go, this is in the notes, but I want you to know this. So often when churches get together, we don't see it here as often as much. There's a thing called a designated account where people can give whatever they want to in the name of that account and keep giving to it so they don't have to go to the budget. Some churches do this because they don't want to support the work of the church. They don't agree at the church, but they can't leave the church because they've been there so long. They don't want to go somewhere else, but they give and they have this special account. Well, I'm going to start doing that this morning. I'm going to pull out my wallet and I'm going to start giving $100 a week to my vacation fund. And I'll still get the tax write-off for it. I'll still get the tax credit for it. But at the end of the year, I'm going to have $5,200 that you can't touch, but I can, into my personal fund. That wouldn't make my wife happy. Wouldn't make our accountants here happy. But that's how some people give to the local church of their finances. I don't want to give to the budget. I always want to give to this. Church, I'm here to tell you today, you give so faithfully. When you give your money, it supports the work here the missions that we're trying to reach people here. It goes out to people around the world, literally. We give, guys, you give. You don't know if you know this or not. Over uh, close to three or $400 a month of our giving goes directly to support two of our missionaries to train pastors every month. You're paying for the food to train about 30 to 50 pastors every month. Isn't that cool? I won't tell you where that's at. Most of y'all know where that's at. But when you give, when you, the point of giving is worship, you're giving so other people can worship. Isn't that awesome? What a great thing. But when you give, I want to challenge you to broaden your horizons. You're not just giving your time, your talent, your efforts, your finances. You're giving so the work of God can go forth. What an awesome thing that is. Some of you, your bodies are failing you faster than you would like. But your giving goes forth with legs and hearts and strength and minds that you can't do as much as anymore. But you can give through prayer. You can give through other ways. That's worship through giving, just the same. You give to support leaders, to continue work, but you also give to care for the needy. You also give to care for the needy. I'm just going to be straight up honest last night. Now, Pastor Nelson, Nelson saw me working the text line with this last night. We got a text last night of a guy who was looking for a handout. 
it got to the point where he basically said that he saw a dead body in front of him and that he was trying to get to the church to get money so he could take care of that dead body. Or so, I don't know. Pastor Nelson can fill the details. But I said, if you're, if you're really in that dire situation, sir, you need to call 911 right now. This happened about 2.30 yesterday on our Google Voice line, by the way. He said, no, I'm really just looking for a hamburger. I'm down at Burger King off Parvin Road. Can you buy me a hamburger? I said, sir, I said, there's no one around to buy you a hamburger. Can you walk up to the counter and ask for a hamburger? And it basically got where we, we encouraged him to go with the homeless hotline. Friends, there are times where we get cases like that where people really are in need and they need help discerning what they need. But more so, there are legitimate cases around us where people come to us, their light bills are getting turned off. And they're sincere. Their electricity's turning off. And when you give financially, especially, you go to support those people that we get to minister to. But I want you to pray for us. You pray for discernment for us that we have the wisdom to know how to serve these needs well. We don't just give out willy-nilly. We give out willy-nilly only in the times where God says it's worthwhile because we want to do it for God's glory. But part of our giving is serving those who are disenfranchised. What do you do? Hashtag real talk here. What do you do when you see a guy flying a sign out at an intersection? Do you ignore him? I need help. I'm homeless. Most of us have a story somewhere where we've seen that person walk up into a Cadillac and drive off at the end of the day. But probably nine times out of ten, those people are legitimately in need. And if we're able to I would challenge you to take an extra box of crackers with you occasionally. Put a bottle of water in your car, hot or not, cold or not, take it with you. Because part of giving and serving may be just handing them a gospel tract, handing them a piece of paper, and, and handing them something that they need to know more about Christ. You may never see them again. It may not be safe for you to take them to a restaurant, but hand them something out the window that means that. And if they recoil, if they say, I don't want that, well, you know their heart, don't you? If you're in need, you're in need. But part of giving, part of serving is helping those who can't usually help themselves. And I want you to know, those people are around our area more than you know. If you're here on any given day, you'll see people walking out of the woods back there, coming up. Pastor Nelson got to talk to a guy a couple weeks ago. He was not homeless, but a man just popped in our church named Bobby, who just happened to want to talk about Christ. And Pastor Nelson shared the gospel and listened to him for about an hour. Will you pray for our church to be a point where people feel safe coming but we have the wisdom and discernment to know how to help them and when to help them. Would you pray for that this week? We greatly appreciate that. Last point is this. I know I'm going long today, but you got me revved up, so here we are. Amen? Last point. There's a pledge through worship, a pledge through worship. He says that giving, look back at verse 10. He says the giving here, that you bring the full tithe, that the house may be in full. But back in verse 10, he says also and thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and you and, and, yours, uh, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Think about this for a second. God is calling you to put him to the test. Now, God doesn't like that, right? We're not supposed to test God. Remember, do you remember that, that sheepish man by the name of Gideon? Do you remember that guy? Gideon was so afraid of what God was telling him, he put out a fleece one day, God, make it wet. And if it's wet in the morning, I'll believe you. And God, make it dry the next day. And God did all those things. God's patient with us. You test God all the time, don't you? God, I don't know how I'm going to get home on time, but I'm not going to wear my seatbelt and drive 95 and hope I don't hit anybody, right? You test God more than you know. But what he's saying here is a spiritual test. Put me to the test. 
The first test is this, are you willing to give all that God has given you back to Him? All your talents, all your time, all your money, all your everything, your family, even your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, are you willing to say, God, I am so blessed with all these things, I'm willing to give it to you. I'm willing to worship you through giving. Lord, I don't want any harm to come to people. I don't want any things bad to happen. But Lord, my life is not in my hands. Lord is basically saying to Israel, give me all that you are. But he's also saying to them, do you trust me with your life? Do you trust me with your future? Do you trust me with all that you are? Do you, am I trustworthy? Put God to the test. What does this mean? The word test here is, is of obedience and God says, put me to the test. And what he is saying is simply this, Romans 8, 32, and we'll close with this, guys. God promises divine provision for you. God promises that if you follow him, he will bless you. He will take care of you. He will be there to assist you. If you trust God with your soul, you should trust God with your finances. If you trust God with your soul, you should trust God with your time, and your talent, and your money, everything. God promises that he will bless you if you follow him. That's what it is. You say, Darren, you're spiritualizing this text a little bit. We're, we're looking at it in the lens through Jesus Christ. We're looking back through what we now see through Christ. So let me ask you this. When is the last time that you put God to the test with your life? You know, we always joke, don't we? We say, God, I don't want to pray to be a missionary because that'll mean you'll make me a missionary somewhere. It's like, God, I don't want to pray to be patient because guess what? You're going to make me a patient person. Yeah, that's probably true. But when's the last time you said, Lord, with all the craziness going on in my life, I can't even get through the day sometimes. Lord, just take my life. Take, take these crazy situations and turn them around for your glory. Not for my benefit necessarily. Maybe it is. But Lord, I, I just trust you that whatever I'm walking through, that you're going to give me the wisdom, the grace, the knowledge, the skill, the talent, the finances, the energy, the time, the resources to do it. And know that he will. When you serve God, he's real willing to bless you, isn't he? Christian, think back any time you shared the gospel with someone, you didn't come out of there more joyful when you first stopped. Think about the last time you served in the church and you took a, a meal with someone or prayed for someone that you didn't feel blessed that you got a chance to do that. It's not about you but it's about God, but God through that blessing of you working and worshiping through giving yourself and all yourself is going to bless you. He divine, he, he's going to promise divine uh, provision, but also divine protection. Verse 11 says, he'll rebuke the devourer for you. Look, this doesn't mean you're going to be safe and sound. Nothing's going to hurt you or harm you. But what it does mean is this, God promises protection from the foes of the harvest. God is going to reap what you're sowing. God is going to take the seeds that you planted and turn it in to spiritual fruit or something in your life. This is why when we share the gospel, we always walk with confidence because God says, I will bring people back who know me. But he also promises protection from a failure of the crops. He says there in verse 11, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. God provides, God protects. And church, I'm going to ask you, Pastor Nelson and I are going to ask you in a couple weeks to consider things as a church you may not have considered before. But if we walk in faith together, God will provide. That doesn't mean we walk negligently. doesn't mean we walk unwisely. It doesn't mean we walk in our flesh. We seek God at every moment and every time. 
But I want to challenge you as a church to consider that God is calling us to bigger and better and larger ministry field here at our church than we currently are doing. Will he protect us? Amen. Will he provide for us? Amen. Why? Because he is that God and he is that great. Last thing, he promises divine pleasures. Look at verse 12. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Look, when we come to the Lord, he is going to promise to bless us. And that's where the blessing comes. God has a way of limiting your enjoyment of what you acquire when you rob him. But when you come before him and say, Lord, everything I have is yours, your life will be abundantly blessed. Look, we're not a rich congregation. We're not a super big congregation. But together in this room, and everyone listening in the sound of my voice, together at Tower View Baptist Church, we have a God so big that not even the gates of hell can prevail against us. We worship God through giving. Have you given your life to God and given him all that that entails? Will you pray with me this morning? And let's bow as we close with our last song in just a moment. Father, we thank you so much for the time that you've given us. Lord, this is looked through not the lens necessarily of Malachi, though we know they were spiritually robbing you. Father, we know they were physically robbing you. Father, we know this, as I did not mention, but Lord, you know in the scriptures, this was Nehemiah. This is the people, Nehemiah, that we talked about several months ago, came back to from Persia as he sought to restore the glory of the walls and, and all the worship of, of your name in the city of Jerusalem. He saw these same people. Father, we know there was a gap of almost 400 years where there is no proper prophet spoken until John the Baptist came on the scene. And yet, Father, through everything, you remain faithful to these people. Father, we pray that Tower View is a church where we worship not just through financial giving, but through the giving of ourselves and our lives to the call to make disciples and to seek and grow at the loss for the glory of your name. Father, we pray for that. Help us put feet to that in the coming weeks. But Lord, we especially pray that in our own souls this week. Whatever we're facing, Lord, whatever we're able to do in these days that we couldn't do before, whatever we are able to, in the spirit of what you've called us to, may you be lifted high. No matter how small in faith it is, Lord, thank you that you're blessed by it. And you will bless us, not for necessarily our own personal blessing, Father, but for the joy of knowing that we can serve you, the mighty King who gave his life for us. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.